I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we are talking about the importance of creating a long-term business plan. Here with me is Let's Consulting and M&A shareholder, Bill Kennedy. Bill, can you tell us a little bit about what you do here, a little bit about yourself, and, and you know why we're talking to you about long-term business plans? Yeah, sure, Jack. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, yeah. you bet. <laughs> so I've been here at Lutz for 28, 29 years. It's a long time. I, it is a long time. It's kind of hard to even imagine, but it's true. So I started off here back when the firm was real small, 20 people or so, when the accountants basically did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't just a tax person or an audit person like this to some extent today. So got a wide breadth of experience. And over time, in the 90s there, got involved in business valuation, mainly because I was good at spreadsheets. And so over time, got working in that area, went and got certified in business valuation. And then over the next 20 years, effectively moved out of the, what people would consider the normal CPA type work mm-hmm. of doing tax returns or financial statements and into valuing businesses for all different kinds of purposes. It can be for estate planning or valuation with somebody passes away with a business interest. It can be for mergers and acquisitions, helping people buy and sell businesses, help internally with a bunch of employees that own the company and they're, they need a buy-sell arrangement between okay. them just to buy and sell. It could be litigation-related, like a divorce or a shareholder dispute. There's just a bunch of different reasons why people need valuations. And along with that, in that area, and uh, back in the early days, did a lot of work with, with startup businesses and helping them prepare the financial side of a, of a business plan, the projection mm-hmm. models. And I still do a lot of that today right and my team does as well so i think that's why we're talking today because yeah. you know that's really what what i do at lutz is right. help the business owners figure out valuation and the best way to handle the transition of their business and along with that still do a lot of work with businesses that are in the early phases and trying to help them figure out the best way to structure their business and, and help them think about the right things at the right time so didn't, I think it was either you or Ron or both of you have said it at different times, but you and Ron, you were the first two certified in Nebraska for valuation or what? So there's a there's a, a few different ways to get certified in valuation, but the AICPA, which is the, you know, the CPA people, right. they came out with this ABV designation, accredited in business valuation. They came out with that in 1998 mm-hmm. and Ron and I went through all the training and took the test and became certified in 1999. Got it. So we were the first two ABVs in Nebraska. Got it. Is there any part of, of what you do, I guess, that you enjoy more than another? I guess, and more or less, I'm saying from the young infant company stage or estate planning type succession planning, is there anything that kind of really, I guess, gets you going? Well, even though I've been here a long time, all of it gets me going. Yeah. I actually love what I do. There's a you know, helping somebody sell their business and yeah. cash in on all the work they've done over their lifetime. That's pretty fun yeah. and exciting and, and rewarding. On the other hand, helping a business figure out how to start up and helping them through everything, through their whole process. And a good example would be our client, 
proxy bid sure. was our client, and they sold about right. a year and a half ago. But that was a you know really fun one for me when it came in as a client. They basically had zero dollars of revenue. There were four guys a little bit younger than me that had this expertise and idea to do all this. They kind of had brought in some money at the time, but they, it was just not very well formed. Right. So helping them develop their business plan and help them with their model and then help them all, all along the years. It turned from a, a you know a tiny little consulting project at the beginning to one of the bigger clients of Lutz by the time they sold. So that's pretty fun too. When you get to see a company you know from infancy until the time they kind of fully mature. Right. Pretty, yeah. Pretty good. I imagine that. I mean, it's probably good for someone that's got, you know, maybe a little attention deficit because you get to be involved in all kinds of different businesses and help them through the tough times and then see them through to, to, I guess, graduation, any, you know, specific memories. And I don't know, we don't have to name names, but where you saw people lack a business plan where it came to, came back to bite them. Oh, many, many times. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's the, the proxy bid story is not the norm. Right. The norm is, Somebody tries to start up a business because they have an idea or they have a, a certain specialty or an in somehow or some way, but they haven't really thought through everything they need to think through. Right. So many times see them not actually succeed right. or they make it part of the way there, but never really make it the whole way there. Well, so what are the, some of the things that they forget? Because we talked to, I think it was Dana. I mean, we've talked to quite a few people throughout the timeline of this podcast about, you know, starting business, the, you know, being a part of a startup, et cetera, professionals that you need to have in your early stages. What are, what are some of the common things you see people forget about that, that come back to bite them? Well, they usually are overly optimistic mm-hmm. when they come up with their initial projections. They usually are only thinking about in the, in the world of financials, they're only thinking about income statements. They're not really thinking about real cash flow and balance sheets and things like that. They don't build up enough cushion to get them through the unforeseen things that are inevitably going to happen. Sure. Um, the list kind of goes on and on. Big picture, overly optimistic is usually the number one problem. Right. So uh, walk me through, because we could talk about, you know, kind of younger companies and the process they go through of having an idea, a brilliant idea that, you know, sets you apart or creates a creates value or, you know, the initial stages of building relationships with accountants or lawyers or whoever you need to. Let's talk about someone that has, has been successful at what they're doing and is is now moving into the stages of, of kind of succession. And, and how would you help someone through that process? Well, the first step there is to get them to truly understand the value of their business. Okay. <clears throat> That's step number one. Business valuation kind of is the most important thing for business owners to have a really good understanding of. And that value is really different depending upon what you're looking at doing. Okay. Right. So the value of a business, if I'm going to go try to find somebody, some bigger company that does exactly what I do to buy me out and to be able to cut a bunch of expenses that I'm incurring because they're already incurring them. Mm-hmm. That's that's one value. We call that strategic value. Okay. But then there could be the value where it's the two of us that own a business or I, I own it. I'm the old guy. I want to sell it to you over time and I'm going to sell you 10% at a time. And over time, I'm not going to get as much if I sell it to you as I would to that strategic company, most likely. So getting an understanding of what that's fair market value versus strategic value, mm-hmm. that's key. Another thing, especially with a smaller business where maybe it's a, a one-man 
owns the whole war woman owns the whole company right has some employees but really everything is is heavily dependent upon that person i mean i i've had a lot of those where i sit across the table from that person and say your your company is literally worthless because nobody would pay anything without you there right got it and you, you wanna, are the business you are the business and you want to walk away right now you, you you need to spend time making your business not dependent upon you otherwise got it you know the the buyer is going to demand that you stay. And if you, you have to stay for long term, you might as well keep owning it. Right. Got it. Yeah, that makes because I, I can't even think of a couple examples of people that I know that have found a niche or something that they do. And, you know, they are the they're the linchpin in all of the relationships with, you know, their clients and everything. And so if they leave, yeah, there's kind of right. there is is no value. OK, so what then? I mean, would you recommend how? Walk through that then. How do you get someone to create their business or get their business to a point where it's not dependent on them? Well, the first thing would be it's really easy for me to sit across the table and say it. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times the business owners, they just have never thought that way. Right. So it's kind of an education. Because they're process. doing it. Right. They're, they're, well, they're in the, they're kind of in the weeds. Right. right? And they, ha- they haven't had anybody tell them your business is worth. They don't like being told their business is worth. I'm sure. Right? That doesn't but go that, well. But that's why I do it. I kind of slap them in the face with that one and, and they'll look at me like I'm a jerk, but, but here's how you make it worth money, right? right? Here's how you do it. So you get their attention because it's, it is true. It's not like I'm exaggerating. If, if the business is totally dependent upon the owner and the owner wants to walk away, there's nothing there. Right. Right. So it's an education process. It really is okay. on, on valuation, on what a buyer is looking for and on what their reality is and how they can make the reality, you know, start to work on the reality that they want. Right. So that, that's interesting kind of perspective change because, you know, as, as the business owner or the sole, you know, the sole person that that company depends on or business depends on, they're focused on keeping their clients happy typically. I mean, and, and I feel like most situations, so they're out performing the work, like we said, but then at, at one, you got to have people under you that can do the work so that you can change your perspective to being attractive to a buyer. Correct. Right. And, and that seems like kind of a risky move. Correct. Well, but it, why it's so hard. One of the reasons why it's so hard. Mm-hmm. One is most business owners have done a great job, have put their whole life into this and they're they're control freaks. So it requires giving some control up. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing it requires giving up some money. Right. You're going to have to hire somebody that's qualified, take right. a chance on bringing somebody in at a higher level, hoping they can do what you do. And also understanding and being okay with the fact that it may not do it as good as you right away, and mm-hmm. you, you know they have to learn from you. So parting with money and parting with control are things that human beings are not very good at, right? right. <laughs> Especially the business owner. Types. Yeah. So that's why I say it's really easy to talk about it and me to tell people people what they should be doing, but to actually do it, I haven't really seen it. I've seen it, but you know, not not that many people are able to actually pull it off. Right. So what, what are the considerations then or, or what other ways can things can people do to, to continue to make that business attractive towards a buyer? I mean, we talk about having, you know, hiring someone that, that you can kind of groom to fill the position of you to do the do the work. What else in terms of just pure value? Well, a lot of times, again, with smaller businesses, you'll see a significant amount of revenue or business with, with one or two okay. customers. So, sure. you know, the, kind of, I'll sit down with the business owner and find out, ask a bunch of questions about their business and try to, here's all the d- little risks that are inherent and here's what we can work on. So mm-hmm. we got custom, customer concentration isn't always an issue. It's a management team or, you know, again, a smaller business, you don't necessarily need a team, but you need, 
you need somebody there that either is going to be the buyer right or can be there for a buyer you know after the deal is done right you know a key person sure so kind of helping them through that and you know again the ones that have taken the advice over time you know, there's a actually a story on our website about one of them called the walling company okay that's a really good one to kind of read and just the whole story of how that one went down but basically I remember after he hired the guy that ended up buying the company a couple of years later after they got comfortable with everything, he thanked me because he didn't realize the monkey he had on his back, right? He had right. this he was an older guy. He was just kind of, uh, everything was on him and he didn't really ever think about having somebody else take over that kind of that operational responsibility. Sure. And once he met this guy and got him in there and gave him a little training. The guy wanted it, right? So right. the guy, he just had to find the right person, but it's not easy, but found him. He could do everything. And then the guy who ended up selling the company to him was like, boy, my life is a lot easier now that I just have this guy. Right. So paying him the six-figure salary was so worth it to him because sure. it just took so much off of his plate where he could, you know, kind of start to enjoy his retirement. Right. So, so people are obviously a big one. What about other other advice or other trusted advisors that you should kind of have along with that? Because it sounds like obviously in this situation, you get brought in as a trusted advisor, help them value their business. And some of these conversations don't seem like they're, they're definitely more consultative, right? In, in kind of their essence, but that's got to take a pretty seriously strong relationship with them to get to that point where you're telling them, hey, you should probably hire someone to replace you. Well, I mean, usually I'm, I'm brought in, whether it's a Lutz client or it's a referral from right. a bank or an attorney of, of a business that needs this service. Yeah. So I don't have, you know, it's not like I'm building this relationship for years. Now I'm, t- I'm figuring it out relatively quickly and telling them that. Right. Again, they have to trust me. I mean, they're having their CPA involved, whether it's Lutz or somebody else. Sure. Because of you know entity type and structure. There, there's so many, you know, that goes into all kinds of depths of things but that really can matter as far as if you're going to sell this company what you're going to actually get from it on an after-tax basis so you got to have that person right involved and i will say i've been referred into a lot of these situations where the entity structure is not good for taxes. legally taxes well for a ta- from a tax standpoint, got it yeah the legal structure of the business is not good c corporations are generally terrible for sale to a third party got it it's okay if you're doing an internal sale or family transition but right. but lots of times it's just it's just the way it is a lot of again people generally don't like paying, paying professional fees right right so they just get their tax return done they don't want to spend any more money but you, you probably should mm-hmm. clearly having a decent attorney matters especially if you're gonna have a third party sale but as far as other professionals you know you'll bring them in when needed right for for a transition but you know, estate planning can come into play. It just really depends on the size of the company and the situation of every individual. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a CPA is definitely. I was just say, it sounds like it important. starts with your CPA probably, especially when you get right. started, you know, down down the road of valuation and then obviously working with someone like you. What else? What's it, What are some other things to, to keep in mind for, like if someone out there right now is listening to us that's thinking about maybe selling their business, what are some other things they should keep in mind? Well, first off, it back to valuation find out what it's really worth right. don't don't go off the the uh, trade magazine article you read and you think you understand or your buddies in florida with a similar business who sold it for right. a million dollars don't don't 
base the value of your company off of hearsay sure. or your your interpretation of maybe what it's worth. Right. Have, have somebody that does it for a living do it. Because again, what your plan is for your transition, right. you know, I always say there's three three ways to get this done. You're going to sell it to a third party, outside third party. You're going to sell it to your employees or you're going to sell it or transition it to your family. Mm-hmm. Those are the options. And one of those is eventually going to happen no matter what. Even if you don't want it to, you're, there'll be a day that you don't own this business. Right. Right. Could be the day you die, but whatever. That's probably the worst case. If you don't do something before then, you probably ended up with a bad, uh, the worst financial situation for your, for your heirs. So, the value in each of those three scenarios can be different. So, trying to really get a good feel for what that value is, and if you do sell it, how does it impact your personal financial situation? Mm-hmm. Which then goes into having a good financial planner. Right. That. To me, that's step two. Find out what your business is worth if you were to sell it under one of those three scenarios, whatever your desired method is. Mm-hmm. And then what does that look for you from a personal standpoint? Because, again, a lot of business owners don't have a lot else right? because they got a lot tied up in their business. They maybe they have the building or some real estate, but they generally, a lot of, me, you know, I'm generalizing, but usually invest Reinvested back in everything business, back right? in their business, right. and ninety percent of their net worth is this business. Mm-hmm. So, can I retire? How much money if I sold it for what it's worth and pay the tax? Do I have enough money? Would I be screwed by seventy five? Do you ever yeah. see that? I mean, oh, you've got to see that. Yeah, right? no, I, I mean, a lot of the referrals that come in here for this service for the valuation consulting on a third party sale or just a sale to employees is. They want to sell. They want to be done in six months. Help me. And, and it's usually, well, first off, here's what your business is worth. I think right. it would sell for this. And then you got to pay some tax. You might talk to your tax person to get right. the, a more uh, precise number. But then what does that mean? I don't have their personal financial information. Right. Right? I, I can't tell them if that's enough for them. They need to go through that process. And a lot of them really hesitate right. to do that. And that's, that's a problem because that, to me, is step number two. What's your business worth? How much would I get after tax? And how does that look if, I, if I'm if i no longer the owner of the business and I don't work there anymore? Maybe I can go get another job, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe I'll keep working there. But all those things need to be answered so you know what your, your cash flow is post-sale. Totally. What about, do, I mean, do you help people often with finding the right person to sell to? Now, I guess in that situation, we're talking about a third party. But is there much, you know, advising on that? Tell people, hey, be picky about who you sell it to or no? It depends on the situation. Yeah. I mean, and it depends on, you know, things people don't think about. You know, selling to family or selling to employees. The the key number one thing that neither one of those usually has is money. Right? So if you want to sell to them, you're probably the bank. Or even if the bank will give them alone, you're probably going to have to personally guarantee it. So you're effectively the bank. So that reality is usually not apparent to the business owner in that situation. Right. So that, that has to be considered as well. Cause primarily historically we've, we've been more involved on the sell side, right? Well, yeah. For both the real, the Lutz M&A, the right. deals yep. that are listed in on our website, things like that sell side, <clears throat> but we're helping companies on acquisitions all the time. We, we don't get hired to go out there and do a big nationwide search. That's not, right. that's not what we do. And there are companies that do that. Sure. But we're generally helping on the sell side. Sometimes we're running the whole 
whole process of selling the company. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they've got their buyer. Sometimes it's an internal sale. We've done a couple of uh, ESOPs, ESOP, right, stock ownership okay. plans, you know, that kind of stuff. So helping the business owner figure out employees, family, outside third party, helping them figure out what makes the most sense for them and then helping them go down that path. That's that's literally what we do. Right. And we're not pushing the way, way I'm going to push is the, is the way that the business owner wants to go. And sometimes they, they're not sure. And I'll tell them based on what they're telling me. And I think, you know, doing this family deal is probably what you really want. You mm-hmm. don't know it, but but that's probably at least explore that fully before you down the third parties. Right. Got it. So value, you know, find, find the value of your business. Get, get with a financial planner. Understand what that's going to do to your personal wealth after you proceed and then then start down the process and it might be that you might find out through those first two that right now the company's not worth enough to to do this you might come in and say your business isn't worth anything right, so how do i make my business more valuable right. so that's another area where we, we would <clears throat> consult with them and it could be oh yeah customer concentration it could be they they need the management team or a keep you know somebody other than the owner involved it could be they just need better infrastructure better financial reporting better you know there's all a whole list of things it could be and just kind of help guide them through that. That's awesome. And tell them if you can get to this point, whether it's you know revenue, cash flow, EBITDA is kind of a number that people always are using for value. You need to get to X in your EBITDA with with a management team or person other than you that's in charge, and no customer that's more than ten or fifteen percent of your revenue, and then you'd sell for the amount that you need to make your whole plan work. That's a, how often do you find I mean, you would like to think that people take your advice and go do it, but I mean, how often are people actually able to go then turn around and, and accomplish those things? Is it pretty consistent? It ha- I mean, the people that's, that get it, that right. figure it out and start working on it, they usually get it done. They're, I mean, usually they're, they're successful people that have built a business. When you put them on a track towards something, right. they're good at making it happen. But it is that initial hump of control, giving up control, and probably parting with some dollars that you wouldn't have to part with if you, because you can do it yourself. Right. But understanding that, that there's a big payoff on those dollars down the road if you, right. if you do it right. Yeah, because if you just continue <clears throat> to do it yourself, you're not going to have anybody that's thinking right. about it the way that you, you're you thinking about it, right. which means not someone that can take over ownership. Right. So there's a, I've got example, ongoing examples of Lutz clients that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. They're in the process of going through those stages of getting ready for their transition now obviously it's going to depend on what the goals are you know what their targets are whether it's EBITDA or you know a management team or someone to replace them but how quickly can you see people make those changes realistically it's a couple years couple years okay that would be quick right yeah Yeah, I was gonna say I mean that seems like some pretty intense some pretty intense changes but and that's the other thing too that I think is really interesting is helping them through how often are you helping them figure out which gauges to turn, you know, which which changes to make along the way to, to get that result? Usually it's at least annually, right? Yeah. A little annual uh, kind of update the, the calculation of value. And again, you're not – those people, we're not like we're issuing a 100-page valuation report every right. year. We, we, we're, it's more helping them. It's consultative. It's analysis. It's not – Mind what matters. <laughs> yeah, mind what matters. Exactly. <laughs> so updating that. Usually there's a, there's phone calls, sending me financials, we'll go to lunch, whatever, whatever it is, but it's good to, you know, most, most businesses that are in that process are actually contacting me quite 
frequently. Sure. But it's more just to have discussions than it is actually doing much work. Sure. Right? They're working on it. They're bouncing stuff off me. Every year we're looking at the numbers and maybe seeing where they're at and mm-hmm. see if things have changed in the market, those kind of things. I was going to say, I imagine that a lot of the lessons or things that you've seen or learned over the years with you know helping companies through this process are they got to remain pretty consistent, right? Definitely. Not too much changes in, in this area. It's, you know, the exit planning, I mean, the, the stuff that can change would be taxes, right? Sure. How the taxes work, but the, the underlying, hey, you're going to sell to employees or family or a third party, right? right. That's, that's staying the same. Having, you know. You're the only one that does it, figure something out. Correct. All that stuff is universal and not going to change. Awesome. Now you could, you know, back to the, if you're doing it all and you want out, that's when you go sell to a, com- a bigger competitor that doesn't need you, sure. but they're just going to come and swallow up your company and who knows how many of your employees stay. So most, almost all business owners that I work with don't want that to happen. Right. right? You know, that's kind of what you do if, if you got, maybe you got sick. And that was your only choice or right. something like that. And you right. hadn't been do, working on transition and you just need to get, you need to sell it. Right. That might be your only option, but most of the time they want their employees taken care of and they don't really want much change. Sure. Right. That's what, and I, the other thing that's usually thrown, thrown off is here. They private equity, you know, mm-hmm. every sort of private equity and you know, we'll, we'll sell businesses to the strategic buyers or, or something like that. But we've also sold a lot to private equity. Well, most business owners think selling to private equity is is that old Wall Street movie from the '80s, Gordon right. Gecko. That's it's actually the opposite. The private equity buys the company and leaves it alone. Right. Right. If you sell to a competitor, they're the ones that want to come in and change things because yep. they're already doing it their way and they want you to do it their way. Right. So that most again, most business owners don't initially think that way. Sure. Interesting. Well, anything else that you want to leave for the people? I mean, it's been, it's already been 30 minutes, 35 minutes. I think this was a great conversation. I Time I, flies talking to Jack Moyle. I guess so. Or listen <laughs> to Bill. I feel like we could talk about the, the buy side and kind of businesses or companies that use the strategy of acquisition for growth. I think that's kind of an interesting one. That's at least one that I see. I feel like I see when you see a company do that or, or that is their strategy, they, at least it feels like they maybe don't understand the operational costs associated with buying a company. Yeah. And that's, and I see that maybe just from my perspective as someone that's going to increase someone's cost operationally. But I think we can save that probably for another day. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank well, you good. very much. Thank you. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.